It's Left of Baseball with Adrian Burgos, Craig Calcaterra, Lincoln Mitchell, and Tova Wang. Welcome to the Left of Baseball podcast, the podcast where baseball, politics, culture, and occasionally a good deal of ugliness intersect. And today, folks, we have some of that ugliness. I'm Craig Calcaterra, and as always, I'm joined by Tova Wang, Lincoln Mitchell, and Adrian Burgos Jr. And today we're going to talk about gambling. But before we do, this week's sponsor, the Tangiers Casino of beautiful Pahrump, Nevada, wants you to know if you feel lucky, you should go to leftofbaseballbets.ru and wager on how many times I say you know, how many times Tova audibly holds back profanity, even though she really wants to swear, how many times Adrian has to remind people that baseball is more than just the national pastime, and the over-under on how many times Lincoln reminds us that he is a Giants fan. So guys, feeling lucky today? Throw them dice. I get so angry at the gambling and stuff. Anybody who reads anything I've I've written knows that I have just basically decided that uh, gambling in professional sports and amateur sports, for that matter, is my windmill, and I'm going to tilt at it until I die, and I'm going to lose terribly in in those battles. Um, but it's also hilarious on a certain level too, just how comically it has transformed the game, uh, the broadcasts of the game, the talking about the game, the business of the game. Uh, and it has done so, so damn quickly. Um, so today we decided we're all going to talk about that. And I'm, you know, if there are any gambling fans here first, uh, identify yourself. I'm a very good poker player, but I hate to gamble. So I never play poker. Um. <laughs> I, I actually like blackjack a little bit and I, I do enjoy going to Las Vegas once in a while, uh, mostly because of the food and the weather and people watching and all the reasons that lame people go to Las Vegas. But, uh, if I'm, if I'm down $30, forget it, I'm done. My grandmother was an extremely good poker player, and she taught all her grandkids how to play poker. All right, so I'm going to confess that the few times I've been to Vegas, the only thing that I did at a casino casino was um, bet on sports. Um, and it, what I did kind of, I mean, not anything fancy, because I don't even understand it. Um, but I'm guessing a big part of it was the novelty, right? Yeah, I mean, at that time, right. I mean, yes, at that time, it's not something you could just do anywhere. And, you know, I bet I probably bet on a baseball game that was happening that night. And it's kind of fun. And that was the end of that. But that was the only thing I was interested in gambling on. Was it a Cincinnati Reds game? Or was Pete Rose the manager? No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what, what, what strikes me is that and I don't like to bet on things, although like we live in a society where we bet all the time, like the stock market. I'm not sure whether that qualifies as gambling or or a Ponzi scheme, but it's somewhere in that in that universe. But it's one thing if I don't know, Adrian is rooting for the Red Sox. I know he's I know Tobin at Red, Adrian are big Red Sox fans in the ALCS. And I'm, I'm joking here and I'm rooting for the Astros. And we make a friendly bet like the winner has to take the other out to dinner or something. That seems to me I don't even do that. But that's. I think we have to separate that out because that is kind of part of the fun. But when it becomes, a, one, a way where MLB, I think, is doing two things here. One, investing a lot of money in, in, in finding more ways to separate fans from their money, and they get those golden crumbs. Here's number two. Number two is, is, is gambling is an addiction. And, you know, and, and, and baseball's, you know, Pete Rose was, a, was addicted. And we dealt with his, and I'm not, a, I don't love Pete Rose, but just taking as an example, you know, it's it, we we punish the addiction there, and we cultivate it on mass with with mass numbers here. And the people that will become addicted to gambling through MLB's advertising will will be lot will suffer a lot more than Pete Rose ever did. Whether you know to the extent to which not being in the Hall of Fame is existential loss for Pete Rose or not. 
And that's definitely it. And in a minute, let's talk a little bit more about the ways in which, again, you know, gambling in theory, okay, fine. But the ways in which it's being implemented by Major League Baseball and uh, the way it's being thrust upon fans and uh, and gamblers is is a totally different deal, I think. And I think that is something that's going to feed addiction. I, I want to back up first before we get too deep into it, though, for, for people who blessedly are not really involved in this and aren't familiar with why all of a sudden gambling is has overtaken professional sports and, and give a little background of where we are, why we're here. Um, you could not gamble on sports anywhere except for Nevada until 2018. Uh, there was, and uh, there were a couple of state lotteries, I think like Oregon and Minnesota or whatever had state lotteries that were somewhat tied in with sports, but it wasn't like a casino or a sports book. Uh, and, and the reason it was only legal in Nevada was because there was a law, federal law passed, uh, called the professional and amateur sports protection act, often called, uh, PASPA, uh, Bill Bradley, I think was the, uh, the big guy behind that. And the, the push for that was ostensibly, uh, to protect amateur sports and precious athletes who might be messed with. And and I think a lot of that came from point shaving scandals and other betting scandals that happened in the 70s and the 80s, some in New Jersey where Bradley was from. Uh, so so that was the, 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 the landscape. This law was passed. Uh, I could tell you well before it became a thing that that law was on its face unconstitutional. And I think anybody uh, would with a with a legal background would agree that it was an unconstitutional law. It singled out one state, Nevada, and gave it preferential treatment to 49 other states in the District of Columbia. There was no way that law would ever survive scrutiny. There was also no one who really challenged it for a very long time. Eventually, it was challenged. Uh, it took a torturous path to the Supreme Court. Uh, and in 2018, PAPSA was overturned. It did not automatically legalize gambling, but it prohibited the federal government from making such laws prohibiting it. Uh, and now many states have already legalized gambling. Uh, many states are moving to legalize gambling. And the major sports leagues and the networks and everybody else are getting in on that train as well. And gambling is now considered the absolute financial driver of sports and the sports universe. Fun. Where we are then is initially the sports leagues were against this stuff. They were against gambling. Gambling was the biggest scandal that ever happened in Major League Baseball. It almost destroyed the sport. And not just in 1919, but running up to 1919, uh, there there were all kinds of gambling scandals. Uh, so as this case was going to the Supreme Court, uh, Rob Manford and Roger Goodell in the NFL and Adam Silver in the NBA, they all fought against it. They they filed amicus briefs trying to fight it. And then when they realized they were going to lose, they all switched sides and now they're all for it. And that's, I think, part of the, the fun thing. here. With, with that legal backdrop, can I rant for a second about how totally disgusted I am by watching broadcasts and coverage of baseball with DraftKings blazoned everywhere, everything being, as you were saying about the over under on this and the, I don't even, which I don't, I still don't really understand. And, you know, the betting odds on this, I mean, down to the atom, you know, atomized level of different things that can happen in baseball. And it's making it, you know, we're always saying stuff like this, but honest to God, it's, it may, it's making it harder to watch. Um, it's, it's icky, all, right? No, I mean, it's just, it's all monetized. I don't know. It's beyond icky. It's just, it's, it's, it's in, it interferes with my just watching the game. It's just, I don't know. It's something very instinctive and maybe I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't know icky. We got to come up with a better word. 
but that's that's what I keep going back to because it's hard, right? Because you you I I don't want to just be you know like you know the Craig's temperance movement of anti gambling and tell everybody that it's wrong because I understand that some people can gamble responsibly. I understand it's a thing. Um, but it just does it, it, you know, I have my, my big picture one is that it just completely changes the the way the game is presented to fans and viewers. Uh, and I think it's going to eventually change the way that the game itself is structured and the league is structured and the financial incentives there. So that's like a bad big picture. I'm going to be intelligent and talk about it, but then I always go back to, you know, it's just kind of icky, man. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the point that Craig just raised about how it's changed and Tova's making this point as well. Like, I'm not interested in gambling. I want to watch baseball. And it keeps being thrown in my face. And I'm not going to gamble. I don't care about it. And the same way that ESPN has their, like, alternate broadcast that has, like, all the stats. Like, can we have a clean broadcast of just a game? Because the in-between innings, hey, the over-under has changed. And I'm like, I don't give a flying flip. I want to watch baseball. And that the, it's changed the, the coverage, the discussion around the game. And it's just, I, I don't want it. One of, the, one of the issues that I wrestle with a lot when I'm just kind of thinking about baseball, which is, say, only about 80% of the time of my waking hours, um, is this question, and this is an odd question, but what is baseball? What does it mean to say I like baseball? So let me give you an example. I could call up Tova when she's in New York and say, let's go to Center Park and throw the ball or something, right? That's we both like baseball, whereas we say New York having a catch, right? And we're hanging out, right? We could then take a stroll through Central Park and see high school baseball. I'm the kind of baseball nerd that will stop and watch a high school ball game for a few innings just for fun, right? This is all baseball. And then there's maybe maybe you pitch, you know, like like off a tee or a little wiffle ball to a very young child who's trying to, you know, make hand-eye coordination and hit the ball. It's all part of loving baseball. MLB does not have a monopoly on that concept. And what strikes me is that the reason MLB is interesting, I'll just say for me, a key reason is that the competition is real, right? So you get these outcomes, this quirkiness, whether it's a, a story of a great player or a not so great player or a ground ball going in through Bill Buckner's legs, uh, you know, something like that. And it just makes this ongoing story so interesting. And even the statistics is so-and-so going to get 3,000 hits. Wow, so-and-so just got a 600th home run. This is the first left-handed hitter to hit an eight, you know, eight home runs in eight straight games, whatever it is. And all of that relies on the fundamental belief that it's all above board. And this is why baseball has never allowed gambling in uh, since, since you know, the, the, the 1919 World Series. And this undermines that. And, and, the, and therefore, if something is in doubt, everything is in doubt, especially when you're betting things on, you know, what's the over on how many pitchers Haim Yonkel is going to strike out tonight. Because as soon as you're doing that, then you're saying, you know, how many will be a will this pitch be a ball or a strike? And in baseball, there's so many ways. And the answer that I think the 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 incorrect answer that you'll get from the pro gambling faction is, look, these players have so much money at stake that they're not going to risk a five, ten, twenty million dollar contract on a payoff. However, we know that's not how addiction works. We all know people or know of people who have put a house, their retirement, their kids' college tuition up their nose. And gambling is another addiction. And when you introduce this, the whole construct falls apart. So the only baseball I want to really care about is going to Central Park and having a catch, which at my age I can barely do because 
you know, it's not that fun when your son throws an 85 mile hour curveball. It's not as fun as it looks when you're an old man trying to catch that. I I would argue, well, first of all, I don't disagree with a thing you just said. That is absolutely true. Um, I would argue that there is a hierarchy of of problems or or disasters that could come from gambling. I think what you just identified is the absolute, you know, apocalypse, right? This is we find out that Mookie Betts is throwing games for gamblers or something, or a starting pitcher. I don't care who. Just, you know, the Black Sox happens again, and the entire idea of Major League Baseball being competitive is undercut. That is, that is, you know, nuclear holocaust. I just said that like George Bush. That's great. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I think even before you get to that, so one of the things, it, it, well, the, the next one down is uh, minor league baseball, where guys don't make any money. Uh, you know, is is thrown. That's going to happen. You know, it'll happen. Uh, or uh, the next thing down is individual things that happen within a game that don't really matter, but actually turned out to be sort of gambling driven. That one of the giant things that uh, when I talked about the business idea is, you know, the, the easy the easy money is people betting on outcomes. Who's going to win the World Series? Who's going to win this game? How many wins are the Giants going to have next year? That's that's big money. But where where they really are going to dig now, and they're already starting to dig, and you see this in the sports business stories all the time, is not about those big outcome bets, but we're talking about in-game micro bets. Uh, where the money is going to be made and lost by a lot of people are things that are attached to your phone. You got an app, you got the DraftKings app or whatever, and you're watching, you know, a, a Red Sox Orioles game on a steamy August night that doesn't make a difference. And you have 50 or a hundred opportunities to make a $1 bet during the course of that game. Is this guy going to throw a curveball next? Is this guy going to hit a single or is he going to strike out? That's already being put online. And that is like walking around a middle school and passing out vials of crack. Sorry to interrupt, but that is exactly the addiction works that's how they did that accelerates the addiction sorry and and that the the business model behind the micro betting which again they do not hesitate to say that that's what you see look google the word gamification that's that's the word that you're seeing all the time now how can we want to gamify we want to make this fun it's how it's how you get kids who play fortnite which is free to buy all the add-ons which are not free which is why the company that owns fortnite makes a billion dollars uh it's how a dollar bet doesn't mean anything or heck we'll give you $10 if you sign up. And then once you get in there, you're going to start doing these things because it's fun. And because it, it serves to, to give you that dopamine rush, not just on a gambling win, but just on a gaming style win, the, the video gamification. And so, you know, you've got that, which is bad, right? Because the whole business model is based on addicts and creating them. But you've also got the incentive to undermine the competition because no one will ever know if, uh, you know, Joe Slobotnik throws. Well, now he wasn't a pitcher, was he? Joe Slobotnik was exactly. was an everyday player. But no one's going to know if Slobotnik, uh, you know, takes four pitches or if he swings intentionally to strike out because that one prop bet that his cousin, who's hard up, really needed. Uh, and that's the thing that we don't know. And that does lead to the change of the outcome of the game. So what you're telling me is that um, this is MLB's answer to growing the fan base. This is this is the answer to um, engaging more young people in in baseball, having nothing to do with the game itself, but gambling on little pieces of this, and and in fact having people's interest not be in the game as a totality, 
but on these little microcosm little pieces of it that are just the the, the you know the the atoms that make up the the game it's that that's that it does not sound like a good strategy to me i'll go one further it's not about growing the fan base it's about growing the revenue from a smaller fan base the baseball is making a choice right now and they're going to increasingly be making this choice the more they shove gambling into every broadcast and into every news story about the game to appeal to the people who like that and who are into gambling or the addicts that they create uh, and and not appeal to a broad-based fan base, to Adrian, who wants to watch baseball and doesn't care about the gambling. And so the idea here is people, people often say baseball is going to go the way of horse racing and boxing. And when they say that, they mean it's a sport that once was a, a national concern that everybody loved or had an interest and some knowledge about to something that became a very niche sport. But if you ask people who run horse racing and boxing, they're making way more money now than they ever did back in the time of Man of War and Jack Dempsey. Uh, it is outrageously lucrative to be in the boxing and the horse racing business, but it is a very, very small business that depends on a lot of gambling or pay-per-view events or whatever that appeals to a very narrow swath. Baseball has decided we're going to chase the revenue. We're not going to try to grow the fan base. Can I ask a question? Um, so how is the the contractual relationship or what, whatever it is set up between baseball and MGM and, and, and the rest of them? How, how exactly are they, how does the money making work? So the fun part is ba- baseball is not an expert at this yet. I mean, they're getting, they're getting really good at this, but you know, first I mentioned before they started to fight, you know, the casinos and the interests that wanted to have it legalized because we don't want it. We, my job is to fight gambling and baseball. Rob Manfred thought for a nanosecond and then realized, no, that's not going to win. So he switched sides. Their first attempt and all the league's first attempt to make money off of gambling once it became inevitable was they were going to try to license uh, their logos and intellectual property and certain statistics and things like that uh, to casinos saying you can't, or through the states, this wasn't even going to be casinos. This was going to be through the state laws. Like they went to the state of West Virginia. They went to the state of New Jersey. They went to various states as they were getting ready to put their, their gambling uh, legislation through and say, you have to write in this law that Major League Baseball gets X cut of the tax revenue. And the state legislatures, to their credit, all just laughed in Rob Manfred's face. Like, why would we have? We don't have to do that at all. Um, so they tried to do that so it could stay a little bit away from baseball. Uh, and then not long, like early 2019, they abandoned that. Uh, their first effort at monetization, which is an ongoing effort, is they, uh, uh, they have these proprietary relationships, these business partnerships with casinos. So MGM becomes the casino partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, they are sharing advanced statistics with MGM uh, that help MGM better set lines. Uh, they are uh, they they pass something uh, some rule within the game where uh, MGM gets the lineups uh, every day before they are publicly released by the team. So like you know when uh, you know when Gabe Kapler I always go to the Giants now in this podcast I have to when Gabe Kapler has the lineup he sends it to MLB who sends it to MGM and then only after MGM's had it for 15 minutes can it be released out. Uh, so there's there's value in that plus all the advertising and everything. Increasingly though they are becoming sort of a gambling portal. If you go through an affiliate link on mlb.com and it takes you to either MGM or the DraftKings site or whichever ones they have partnerships with, MGM's going to get a cut uh, baseball's going to get a cut of that. 
that's central major league baseball. Now all the teams though, are going to have their own ways of doing it. Uh, we just saw this last week as we're recording this, Steve Cohen and the Mets announced that they are exploring the idea of opening a casino next to the ballpark. The Washington nationals right around the corner from Utah have already done that. Uh, so there are a million ways to do it, but those are some of the ways they've already began. So which one will be opened first? the casino or will it be the closing of the search for a GM? (laughs) I mean, we know which one's going to be prioritized. If they could get the casino (laughs) online right now, they would. Sandy Alderson can make some bad trades in the, in the meantime until they find somebody. But the the serious question I had was, so, and you know, some of the, the dynamics of the collective bargaining and such, who gets the revenue of these arrangements between MLB and these gambling outfits? Because, you know, how are players affected? Is it just another way? Because, again, we've talked about this. The 2020 season with no fans, um, it's like it, if you have gamblers doing micro betting and everything, is it? do you need fans anymore at the ballparks? Yeah, that's a good question. I, My understanding, and I'm sure that they are discussing this right now, is that almost all of the gambling revenue is considered non-baseball revenue. Uh, the same way that the condo development outside of Turner Field is you know, non-baseball revenue, even though the Atlanta Braves own it and no one's buying condos there if there wasn't a ballpark and baseball games there. Um, this was a, something that uh, the MLBPA started to give away 20 years ago when they, when they didn't appreciate that MLB.com and BAM and what became BAMTech and became a billion dollar business to, uh, to the owners was something that they should have gotten some, they were proof of concept for the business, the billion dollar business that it became, and they didn't get any of that. And major league baseball's business models, whether it's real estate and now increasingly gambling are all basically considered quote, non-baseball revenue. And uh, I don't know if that is being broached during the current collective bargaining agreements. It damn well should be. Because uh, you know you don't have to bet on baseball if you don't have ball players, but no, this is owner's money, and this is just another one of those things. I beat this drum all the time, but the we are increasingly seeing revenues that are not dependent on winning baseball games. And and the thing is, when you're the house and Major League Baseball and its clubs are increasingly the house, uh, you know you don't care who wins. It's just the action, right? The, you make money either way as long as the lines are set properly. <laughs> I mean, I think there is this illusion that fans want to have that baseball players are about winning. But at the risk of sounding like a political scientist, baseball players are rational actors. And what that means is they want to, I mean, in an economic sense, maximize their income, right? So, you know, no baseball player is going to do something that is going to damage his chances of making $80 million down the line so his team can get the playoffs this year, right? I mean, it's just not how, no one's going to say that. And that's a rational thing. And I don't blame the ballplayers for that. What strikes me here is that is that what that means is that baseball is become be, is a very individual sport from a very young level. And again, that's not something that's part of the conceit that we don't recognize it. But if you are a pitcher in high school, college, minors, majors, unless you're at the level of you know Max Scherzer or something, you are competing with the pitcher next to you for playing time, for an opportunity to start, for an opportunity to close, whatever it is. What I think this betting does is it it further undermines the, the conceit that baseball is a team sport. Because if it's, it's a little bit like when rotisserie, which is a much more benign form of this, started. 
one of the reasons I never, and I love those kind of, I used to play like APA when I was growing up and stuff, you know, but one of the reasons that rotisserie never grabbed me is that when I go to the game, I want to root for a team. You know, if I go to Yankee Stadium and they're playing the Orioles, I'm going to root for the Yankees, even if I have the Orioles third base when I'm a rotisserie team. But what this does is when you're betting on the micro pieces of it, it just, not only does MLB not care, not only the teams not care if they're putting winning teams, but increasingly the fans won't care, right? And then it becomes a sideshow, a freak show, a, a vaudeville. And, and that's where I see this going. So that even if you're a fan like, like many of us on this podcast who aren't interested in baseball, not interested in gambling, the product will be undermined, even without the ethical questions that I think permeate this from top to bottom. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I'm the same way. I, I've i played a little bit of fantasy, but I don't play much fantasy baseball, rotisserie baseball or anything like that, because the things that at least a long time ago, I know there are a lot better simulation and, and fantasy games now. But when I was younger, the things that allowed you to win a fantasy league were not the things that caused baseball teams to win always, you know, back when stolen bases didn't matter nearly as much as they ever had stolen bases were a way to really get ahead in your, in your fantasy league. And I didn't care about that. That leads us to another place, which is uh, it's not just the leagues that are pushing gambling. It's the media partners. It's the broadcasters. It's the newspapers. It's the websites. Uh, Major league baseball has a partnership with a casino, but so too, does ESPN. And so too uh, does what used to be Fox Sports, but is now Bally Sports. And so too does Sinclair, which I think that's Bally Sports. But uh, gambling is all over the way it is presented to fans as well, not just the the bones of the game itself. And as Adrian mentioned, that's a, that's a turnoff for a lot of people. Maybe it's not a turnoff for other people, but they've certainly hitched their wagon to it. And uh, as a person in baseball media, I guess I still am, even though I'm off on some weird island now, it's been shocking to see just how much my former colleagues, my former workplace, uh, people that I know from you know other other sports media companies have been funneled into. Uh, we need to push gambling as well because they're viewing that as a revenue source as well, and that's just there's no way to get around it. Clearly, there are so many um, websites that cover sports. I mean, ESPN obviously, but even good. Uh, sports journalism sites and forget about it. I mean, ESPN is constant. I mean, they have entire segments about it. Um, I, mean, I don't know about baseball so much, but in general, it's just um, you can't get away from it. And that's not what I want to, you know, that's not reading about sports. Those are not, those are not sports topics to me for sports journalists to be covering. I wonder what this has to do. I don't wonder with the uh, decline of local media, because if you are making your money from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and you're a, a sports writer, you're, you, you're, you're looking at, can I become the city hall editor or something like that, right? So you're, you're trying to build up your reputation and stature within an organization that is not just baseball and not just sports. But when that collapses, as it has for the most part, then you're much more in a sports, in a sports coverage, baseball coverage world. And your next job is going to be at MLB or at ASPN or something. So you got to play that game much more. You play that game to maybe get to MLB or ESPN, or or maybe the game has changed completely. Uh, the places that are hiring the most writers now, and we could argue about whether or not they're good jobs or whether or not they're real jobs or whatever, are straight casino sites. Because if you have a casino site uh, and you know the, the real moneymaker is click here, register here, gamble here, well, that's okay. You need that, but you also need to get 
search engine optimization to get people to your website, you need to have a little content to hang around it. And so I like people I know personally who were legit newspaper writers for years covering baseball now work for whatever bets.com and they are writing the most superficial stories you can imagine about a game. But the entire purpose of that is to deliver a couple of gambling uh, points that steer people and funnel people to the actual betting parts of the website. Uh, I, I, I have used the term pimps before and I've been yelled at by my colleagues in the sports media industry, but that is not new, but that's what it is. It's funny because it totally like reminds me of part of the reason why I don't watch pregame football coverage because so much of it is about fantasy football, about like not really about the game that's going to be played today, but about component parts. And yeah, that to use an academic term, that dehumanization or the alienation of labor from its product that's going on there, you know, the product is a gambling bet now not you know who's stepping up to the plate what's the confrontation um and and it's so fascinating because we go from this discussion after like discussions of baseball has too many pitching changes baseball games take too long and like are they are they going to be gambling uh lines on how long a game's going to take and you know like it just the optimization of every micro bet is what and i don't want to hear that on the coverage but what you've really tapped into is they've been wedded together. Coverage, the league, and the gambling. Well, and what does that say about Ball's efforts, publicly at least, to try to make changes in the game, attract more diverse players and management, and all of that as a way to improve um, the product? And then really going all in on this. I mean, I think they're still trying to run that on two separate tracks. Major League Baseball, I, I, even me, I don't think that they have decided and enacted some plan of we're going to use what used to be our diversity initiatives as a way that's going to help feed this monster. I think everything Major League Baseball does ultimately is is talking about, well, how can we make more money? Um, and some of their initiatives are good initiatives. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they happen to be ones that lead towards making money, but they could be good things too. Like I have no problem with major league baseball standing up to cancer. I don't think that is a, a financial play necessarily. Um, and so I don't think that everything they've done is geared towards that, but increasingly it's going to be because that's where the percentage is. But also the, the thing about making money as if that's your goal is that there's also this notion that you want to be able to make money 20 years from now or 30 years from now. And, and that is what from if I was just doing a kind of like, this is how you want to maximize your profit. This is a short term strategy. It, it, it will. And, and yes, your boxing and, and horse racing animals have to be taken seriously. Right. They ended up making more money. But they, you know, baseball is in a very different place five years ago than boxing or, or, or horse racing really ever was. And and to have gone from that to now, we're just going to get all our more and more revenue for gambling, which will turn off newer fans because. You know, there's a lot of kvetching around the World Series about how late games go, et cetera, et cetera, which is, you know, I mean, there's some truth to that, some not truth to that. But I wouldn't let my – my kids are old now. But if I had young children, I wouldn't let them watch this because they're selling them crack or they're actually giving it away for free right now. I mean, this is – they're trying to get my kids addicted, right, which is different than you might be a little sleepy at school tomorrow. And so there's a lot of people that are just going to not – I mean, this, this now becomes an actual danger. 
to expose your children to this. So that's an interesting way to segue into a new thing that Tova and I have been doing, which is watching soccer this year, English Premier League soccer. And the Premier League is the most gambling-soaked entity on the planet. Uh, half the teams are sponsored by casinos, online casinos, betting interests from all over the world. Uh, if you have been to England and you walk around any even halfway decent sized town and many of the not decent sized towns, there's a, a William Hill on every block, which is a, a sports book. Uh, it is all over that country. It is all over much of Europe. It's been all over Australia for years and years. And as baseball got into gambling, I, uh, I started looking at some academic research that have been has been conducted there, and yeah, there is an uptick in gambling addiction, uh, a, a very notable one uh, since gambling was legalized in those countries. I, I view that often as our future. I think that's where we're heading, where the culture is like that. Right now, we have cryptocurrency ads on umpires' uniforms. We're probably going to have online casino ads on Major League Baseball uniforms at some uh, point. Wait, hold, hold up, Craig, because because you cannot make an argument that. Um, English Premier League has become any less popular, that the fans are any less into it, into the games, into their teams than they've ever been. And so somehow they've maintained that balance. I should add, by the way, one of the most fun things about how Craig and I are going about this is we root for more than one team. <laughs> we ha we both have sort of like a, a, a hierarchy of teams that we root for, but I I mean, my husband accuses me of rooting for half the teams in the league, but that is not true. I, I root for about four. And there's, there's, there's We're a also list. left of soccer then because we don't have a <laughs> we don't have a passionate rooting. But that's a great point, right? Soccer is more popular, especially Premier League soccer is more popular now than it has ever been. It is a behemoth and it's only growing. Uh, questions are why and what is baseball not doing? I don't think baseball is ever going to be near it, but I, I think one answer is... Certainly in the broadcast, if you and I watch, you know, we're seeing an NBC feed from, for the most part, from overseas, uh, but that's not really hit that much. I mean, you see the ads and everything, and certainly around the field, around the pitch, there are ads and everything. But, uh, you know, Arlo White from from NBC Sports is not talking about how, you know, and here comes leads on the counterattack. They're over under on a goal, and the situation is three. It, that, that just doesn't happen. Not and at all contrary they're hilarious <laughs> yeah right I, so i think there's an integration issue it's it's way smoother and i think a lot of my objections adrian's objections that he talked about before would be if they were just way more chill about it i think there's there's a lot of dead time in baseball right the pitchers trying to figure out what to pitch and it seems that that for many years post you know the announcers picking the postseason just use that time to kind of mislead you about trying to understand baseball by getting factual matters wrong and relying on old tropes rather than anything that's actually proven. Now they mix in that with promoting gambling, and, and that's not great. But but another thing that strikes me is that, you know, if you live in the New York media market, which is kind of the country, um, you're constantly you're constantly told that, you know, this team is a, if it's anything less than a World Series victory is a is a bad season. And, of course, that's nonsense. The Yankees the last 10 years are, you know, a mediocre team, are a good team that always comes up short, whatever you want to call them. And I like the Yankees. 12 years. That's the point. But, yeah, but – but for many teams, if you are, let's say you fall in love with baseball when you are 10 years old. If you fall in love with baseball with 10, when you're 10 years old, you are lucky if you see your team win the World Series twice, right? Because if World Championships are randomly distributed once every 30 years. And you cannot sustain being a baseball fan. That's not enough. So with most teams, you know, with so many teams going decades without winning just because there's so many teams, you have to offer fans another way to get involved. And the beauty of the game is not enough except for those of us who really, really love the game. And that's where gambling fits in. 
you mentioned that's funny because one of the big arguments for years about why the NFL is so much more popular than Major League Baseball is, well, and this was when gambling was illegal, uh, there, the, the gambling world, offshore gambling on NFL was huge. And people will watch a whole slate of NFL games because they have money on it, not because they care about any of the teams. That's I don't know how true that is, but that's just it's been said so often. And, and it's very plausible that the reason the NFL's TV ratings are so popular is because gamblers are watching it. Uh, and that is an interest, but as we talked before, you know, is that a sustainable interest? Is that a healthy interest? Is it good for the game or not? I mean, soccer has sloughed it off. I think a big reason is because of what Lincoln just mentioned, that there's not a lot of dead time. You've got to focus on the game because it's pretty much nonstop for 90 minutes. Uh, football in, there's a lot of dead time in football that football never gets blamed for having as much dead time. Baseball does all the time. Anyway, there is a lot of dead time in football, uh, but it just has managed it baseball's dead time again i don't think they're managing it well and it reminds me of this anecdote that came up it's not an anecdote it was an actual report like rob manfred said it himself uh he was talking with uh adam silver of the nba his counterpart at the nba about the problems that he's facing with pace of play and the dead time in baseball that's been rob manfred's signature issue for years that he hasn't managed to do anything about but that's the issue And Manfred says at this open forum that Silver turned to him and goes, you don't want to fix that. That's perfect for gambling. You have all this dead time that gives you, you know, if you have 20 seconds between a pitch, that's half the time that someone has to make a bet on what the next pitch is. Those weren't the exact words that Silver used, but that was clearly the idea. The dead time is going to be great for gambling because you got to do something during all that dead time. I bet the announcers don't even like it themselves, quite honestly. I I know they don't. This is not what they got into this business for. I I talk offline and off the record with a couple of uh, Major League Baseball broadcasters, radio and TV. There are a couple of people that are friends of mine in the game who I am not permitted to say who they are. Right. Uh, And they have told me, no, they they hate it. It's 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 artificial. they, they, yeah, I mean, it has always sounded like they feel silly when they say this pitch is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. So this has got to take it to a whole another level for them. Let me let me ask this. So this has happened really quickly. I mean, it really it's been, it was percolating and then it went, you know, to, to all the way up. Is there is it just people like us, cranky, cranky complainers and a few journalists, I guess, and commentators that are going on and on about this? Or is there any kind of when we talk about, you know, fans and the difference in the fans in Europe who you know, really will take these teams on, or they did you know, a year or two ago. Does anyone else care about this as much as we're talking about it in the terms we're talking about it? That's a good question. I, you know, I, I think my readers are selected to like what I have to say, unfortunately. And so I, I hear a lot of, you know, agreement. I think um, there's a lot of I think there's a bit of many number of people who tune in in the postseason and they're surprised. I mean, I've talked to people, you know, very, very, this is very anecdotal evidence who have said, wow, they seem to be talking about gambling a lot. So, and they're not, they're not, they don't have that kind of think the, the more studiously thought out outrage that Craig has and that maybe we all share. But that is something that people are noticing because, you know, last postseason was so weird and this postseason is just nonstop. And for a lot of people, I think there is that reaction. But, you know, MLB, I'm sure, does tons of market research and, and, and did all this kind of market research ahead of time. And something must have told them that it was worth it, that it wasn't it wasn't going to decrease or or the increase was going to make up for the decrease in, in interest that this caused. Um, 
So they, they must know something that we don't. Or, or they just don't have metrics on decrease of interest. I, I, I think that baseball interest can be a very subjective thing. There are people who haven't watched a game in five years that say that they're a big baseball fan because it's so part of the culture, especially for older people. Or they don't care about interest. They're looking at, as we say, they're looking at dollars and the equation. I think the equation does add up. I mean, you know, I, I, I followed a bit on the postseason on Twitter, and there's this, I think there's the, in the sense that there's a certain segment that always wants to be counterintuitive. These are the same people who, who call themselves progressives and secretly delight in every time the Democrats lose because it proves that they only didn't listen to Bernie enough, right? Um, but there is that segment of, of the baseball world who pushes back against, look, no matter what you say, if you live on the East Coast, the game ends too late. There's not a, whether or not that's 12 minutes longer than 20 years ago or 17 minutes longer, it doesn't matter. The games end, you know, too late. And similarly, whether or not you have taken everything into consideration, the numbers are really bad as to who's watching the World Series. Yes, there's a bump this year compared to during the pandemic year when everything was all chaotic. But, but for the most part, no, these are these. You know, if you get 20 million for a World Series game, it is a huge deal. And the long-term prognosis for baseball and television is pretty bad. And MLB, that MLB TV product, which is a great product if you root for an out-of-town team, is not going to replace that revenue. So. I think this is pretty straightforward, and and it's just unfortunate that you know that that small b baseball is now dominated by perceptions of ML, MLB all caps, which is fundamentally a corrupt institution, whether there's gambling or not. And I, I do think that we'll see a hint on what they've. I mean, we're seeing hints already on what they think about that dynamic. I, it, the headline in the Athletic this morning was. Uh, World Series ratings, second lowest of however long, but the money's still rolling in. That was literally the headline. Yeah, and the that. idea was, you know, the, the, the national broadcast deals are, are locked in stone for, you know, another seven years or something like that. Uh, everybody is making a lot of money on this, even though it doesn't hit the mass audiences. And it's just, you know, that's the, the example that we're looking at. Are they going to monetize a small number so of people? So before we close out today, I just uh, in, want to really say one more thing. We have been very negative as we are wont to do, uh, but yeah, we kvetch because yeah. we love, speaking for myself, I just, it's very important to me that people love the game the way I have and we all have and that the game um, broaden its appeal to all sorts of people and just really, it, you know, it's all out of love. So anyway, we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.